Hi, this is Tiffany Bova. Welcome to the What's Next podcast, where I have the absolute pleasure, as always, introducing my guest this week, Chris Shembra. He is a multifaceted entrepreneur. I would do him a disservice unless I gave you these little highlights. The first, in theater, Chris serves as producing partner at O'Henry Productions and formerly as producer at MNA Productions. The shows he's been involved in have earned 14 Tony Awards, seven Emmys, and a Grammy. As a marketer, he's led Emmy Award-winning social campaigns with 1 million-plus participants helping to lower the suicide and depression rate among veterans with PTSD. As an author, his book, Gratitude and Pasta, The Secret Sauce for Human Connection, was named the number two book to create human connections by Forbes. And his passion lies in facilitating profound human connection in the deeply disconnected world through his 747club.org. I am grateful to have him on What's Next today. Welcome, Chris. Thanks for having me, Tiffany. It's uh, going to be such an amazing conversation anytime you're involved. Oh, I feel the same way, my friend. I feel the same way. <laughs> All right. So we can't jump in just yet because we have to start off with bullish and bearish just a few quick questions to get the juices flowing. Nothing too painful. Bullish or for it, bearish or against it. Are you ready? Yes. All right. Bullish or bearish. Robot chefs. Bullish. Oh, I did not expect that from you. I feel like I'm losing my mojo. I usually know which direction it's going to go. And these last couple of times, man, it's been like 10 times and I'm off. Okay. All right. I next. I might have said something differently. Seven weeks ago, nine weeks ago. Okay, fair enough, fair enough, because, you know, we are trying mm -hmm. to find our way through mm -hmm. uh, what we're, you know, living through at the moment. So I, I would I would go with that. So maybe sous chefs, robot sous chefs, and then... My, my answer to that would be that systems are the solution, and I think we have a unique opportunity to systematize art and creativity, but that's for a future discussion. So robots have my vote in some things. <laughs> okay. All right. We'll go with that. All right. The second one, homemade peanut butter on vanilla ice cream is a must for dessert. <laughs> Bullish. <laughs> we're going we're gonna to get into that in a minute. But it was a trick question. I it was totally a trick question. It was a totally a softball. So we'll talk about that, but it has to be homemade peanut butter. All right. So yes. hold that. All right. Um, and the third one, also fun, eating spaghetti on paper plates. Ah, bullish, bullish. <laughs> so for all of you who feel like you have to put out the best china when you eat pasta, no, paper plates <laughs> will work, right? All right. Well, thank you. That's just a fun way to sort of get the get the conversation. But I'd love to start um, with the 747 way. Chris, mm -hmm. tell us uh, and tell our listeners what you do for work. You know, Tiffany, in in uh, in a million years, I could have never predicted this for my own life. Um, and the story, to answer this question, the story goes back to uh, 2015. Imagine a painting of my life at that time. As you had mentioned, I've been involved in a number of different things in the entertainment space. My life on paper looked really good in 2015. We were achieving good things. We're having fun doing it, but 
something arose in July of 2015. I had just come back to New York from Italy after producing a Broadway play over there. And when I got back to New York City, I realized that what I was doing in show business just wasn't cutting it. I realized as I sat in my 350 square foot studio apartment at the time that I felt four things, lonely, unfulfilled, disconnected, and insecure. A lot of people feel those things on a on a frequent basis. Uh, I hadn't felt those four things at once since my early 20s, and that unfortunately led me down the dark road to suicide, uh, depression, jail, and rehab. So I knew I had to do something about it. And in that deep, dark state, I thought back to what did I love most about Italy? It was the food. And so I I realized I'd been around food all my life, but I never attempted to cook. So I started fiddling with all these different recipes in my kitchen. And one day, one day I accidentally created a pasta sauce recipe and figured I should probably feed it to people to see if it's even good or not. And on July 15th of that year, 2015, I invited 15 strangers or friends who were strangers to each other into my home. 6.30 p.m., cocktails began. 8 p.m., dinner was served, and because I was a lazy fella at the time, at 7.47 p.m., I invited them into the kitchen to delegate some tasks and get them involved in cooking the meal. So we sat down for dinner and had good pasta and paper bowls and paper plates. And at the very first dinner, I asked a simple question. And because we had just spent hours uh, drinking together and cooking together and eating together, when we asked this simple question, the people came alive and told these amazing stories. We asked if you could give credit or thanks to one person in your life that you don't give enough credit or thanks to, who would that be? And much to our delight, not only did they like the sauce, But the stories they shared about gratitude during that communal discussion provided the greatest opportunity for connection I had ever seen. And we knew we were onto something. So a few months later, I woke up at 2 a.m. on a Monday and realized these dinners saved my life. I can't stop now. So we kept on going. And here we are, five years later, We've used the dinner table and the principles of gratitude to spark over 400,000 relationships just trying to help people connect a little bit more as humans. And along the way, we've been privileged uh, that some companies have taken notice that we're pretty good at creating connection, pretty good at helping others create new and longer-lasting relationships. So we've built a company out of it, and it's been a pleasure ever since. Well, I think that that's just an amazing story. You know, I, I asked the question, what do you do for a living? Right. Not, and, and it, it, it was really sort mm-hmm. of what led you to the 747.org. Um, and those, the, the kinds of connections that you've created uh, and, and helping people take a pause in their normally very busy life to spend that time over pasta and wine or water, uh, which whatever your preference, right? Uh, to take that pause and actually think about who they'd want to thank and that gratitude 
Uh, and now we're in this situation on a global basis where everybody's in a pause uh, and um, taking that time uh, to have meals with family over video, I think has been a great uh, place of solace, I guess, when you think about being lonely and unfulfilled and disconnected and insecure and all, all that you were feeling that I feel like the dinner tables have come back as something families do. Yeah. You know, it's, um, it's interesting. Uh, Harvard university did a study a number of years ago that, that, uh, found that firefighters who eat spaghetti in the firehouse perform better as a team and save more lives. So the actual <laughs> scientific and business statistics have shown that when you can dine together, you'll actually be more effective uh, at doing your job. You know, it's so neat to be in this day and age because people that have seen the negative effects of technology, there's many positive effects of technology, but if you've seen some of the negative effects of technology, you can come back to the dinner table and the dinner table wasn't cherished maybe 15 or 20 years ago. So it's a really neat time to get back into food, into art, into culture. You, you forwarded me a great podcast the other day of Danny Meyer talking about how he used travel and the city of Rome to fall in love with food. And if we didn't have those three things, food, travel, and culture, uh, many things wouldn't happen in this society. Well, and, and to be really specific, because I love food, but I love pasta more. So, you know, I, I'm going to lean on <laughs> Sophia Loren, right? I'd rather eat pasta and drink wine than be a size zero. <laughs> Clearly, I have that down because I am far from a size zero, right? Um, but that uh, podcast you referenced with Danny was the meditative story. And it was really his journey of falling in love with food as uh, an American coming from a Midwest town and going to this faraway place known as Rome, uh, and then him falling in love with it and it really shaping uh, his life as an entrepreneur and as a restaurateur and and you know innovating in so many ways uh, with Shake Shack and his other restaurants. But um, it, it was a very interesting setup. We were sitting in Ariana Huffington's living room, literally, uh, with a cello and Danny Meyer telling this story for 11 minutes and recorded into a podcast for Meditative Story, as I said. And, and it was so moving. You know, you just think that what an unusual situation and conversation. But it also mm -hmm. brought me back. I happen to be almost uh, entirely uh, pure Italian, I'm, although I'm not pure. I'm pretty close. Um, so food has always been our meeting place or the kitchen has always been our meeting place. So I love that, that it really is about gratitude and connection for you. You know, to take it one step deeper, there is a, what we found or observed is there's a difference between, uh, just going to a restaurant or taking your clients out to, uh, right, the fanciest establishment in town to impress them. There's something different between that and receiving an invitation to arrive at someone's home and eat the food from that their bare hands have prepared. And what we've noticed is that in the business world, 
when you can remove the what we consider a kind of a superficial lens of saying, I need to take you to the fanciest steakhouse in town in order to win your business. No, you don't. You can do it quite simply with a bowl of pasta sauce and paper bowls and paper plates. Now, I, I laugh because we've gotten away from just simple pa paper bowls and, and folded tables and all that jazz. But our concepts is that when you can return people back to the basics of humanity, strip away the ego, strip away the, the frills and the fancy accoutrement, and you return them back to their childhood, back to the, the feelings of dining with their family, you'll win their business for years to come. When you can bring emotion into a B2B sale, you statistically increase upsell, cross-sell revenue and referrals across the board. Uh, and, and it doesn't have to be fancy. It's just simple. But as long as it comes from the heart, then people will respond. And that's how you in, in, engineer lasting loyalty. Well, and I couldn't, first of all, I couldn't agree more. I think EQ is very important, especially uh, when in business, you know, that balance of both, right? It has to, you have to be emotionally aware and open and listening and, uh, you know, using uh, the right tone and words. And so I feel like what you were just saying is getting back to, you know, the simplicity of it. Uh, ultimately, you know, it's kind of like this, we're in the middle of this radical simplicity, because depending on where, when this podcast airs, we're sort of in week six of the lockdown in, in the US. And you know, I'd say that we've gotten, you know, we've almost been forced to get back to the simplicity. You have to really rely on communication skills and storytelling in a remote way versus doing it face to face. Yeah, it, you know, it's it's interesting us being in week six of this crisis. Um, our personal life was, uh, you know, upended in a way, uh, you know, events and producing in-person dinners was the, you know, first in last out, or it was the, the first to be affected and the last that will come back. But what's so unique using technology is the ability to create digital intimacy from afar with the right intention. You know, when, when all of this went down, you know, it's, it's such a neat connection is that our dinner started in 2015 because we had just gotten back from Italy and found ourselves lonely, disconnected, and isolated. And fast forward five years, uh, we had a we had a book, as you mentioned, come out earlier this year. And the first thing I wanted to do was grab my book and grab my dad and bring both of those over to Rome to show the the eternal city of Rome what we had built. I wanted to tell Italy my stories. I wanted to give Italy my book with my dad being there, etc. And so in mid-February, we went over to Italy just as the enemy was bearing down. And we fled Italy, got back to New York, placed ourselves in a mandatory 14-day quarantine, which was weeks before the rest of America was in quarantine. So again, found herself lonely, isolated, unfulfilled, insecure. 
our entire life shattering before our eyes with every client and corporate engagement canceling on us. You you would know that being such a prolific speaker. And in that darkness, we found opportunity. And as we say, it's from hardship and hard work that the creativity really grows and flourishes. And so we were able to uh, transition to hosting all virtual dinners. I mean, we've hosted 22 virtual dinners in the last month, feeding 30 to 100 people per night. It's been amazing that now we can have attendees from different countries. We can have attendees from my girlfriend's family that would have never come to a dinner. It's been an amazing opportunity to create connection. And we're just so excited for this, you know, this this next chapter of being able to integrate technology into the, you know, the aspect of building genuine human connection. And I think that's really the message I wanted to double click into that you just said, because, you know, so many businesses are have always relied on the obviously the relationship and the connection. But from a human, human, face-to-face, shake your hand, see your eyeballs, play a round of golf, have a nice dinner, come to your office, you know, whatever it may be, especially in sort of the sales and marketing world, uh, if you will. And and now we're using, is it is it video? Like what's appropriate? What are we willing to say is a good experience? Like, so, you know, well, I would have loved to be around your dinner table in New York and come to one of these, but if I'm going to do it virtually, do I, does it fill my soul? Like, do I get the same kind of feeling? And I think uh, that's why I don't actually like the term social distancing. Uh, I like physical distancing because uh-huh. Yeah, I, I just I feel like social distancing is it, it is isolating, and already you know if you have people that were feeling what you described you were feeling before this happened, imagine how they're feeling now. Super isolated. Well, the yeah, I mean the United States Surgeon General put out a statistic two years ago showing that fifty one percent of the American workforce reports being lonely on a consistent basis. And the reduction of lifespan of that is equivalent to smoking 15 cigarettes per day, seven years off your life. And that was two years ago. I can't imagine what it's about to be. But, you know, when we look at virtual dinners and we look at the use case of technology to create connection from afar, I think it's possible. And we've been able to find a positive use case in 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 sticking to the principles of gratitude and sticking to the principles of how do you get people to remain present you know in the dinners we do we really utilize the zoom breakout room feature when this all went down the world got saturated with content but there's not many people who like being talked at Everybody wants to have a voice or a platform to share their story. And so what we've been able to create using the Zoom breakout room feature is be able to break people out into small groups so that they can have their voice heard and they can share in telling stories with their peers of gratitude. As I mentioned, the the question we ask, you know, every chapter of our life is the question of, you know, who do you not thank? Who have you always overlooked? And so you'll hear people still talking about 
you know, they didn't start living until their mother passed away. They never thanked their third grade teacher. They never thanked their spiritual grand, you know, spiritual crazy lady down the street. They never thanked the, the, the catfish date in Paris that made them gay. They, and, but you still get those stories because stories <laughs> are what connect. And what we've been seeing our, our people show up now more than ever is they simply say, it feels so good to meet someone new. I think we took for granted how many opportunities we actually had in the old world to to meet new people. And now that you take away conferences and, you know, the gas station attendance and the, the, the barista at your favorite coffee store, when you take those things away, you're really only talking to your friends or your family or coworkers. And so to give people the opportunity to come as they are, to show up, to meet a complete new stranger and bare your soul, there is something massively transformative and cathartic about that. And, and you know, Price Waterhouse Cooper found that, that when you can really take care of that emotional and the mental well-being of, of the people that you serve, uh, for every dollar, you know, spent on that well-being yields $2.30 back in productivity. So just creating that safe space for others is actually making your company stronger. Yeah, I agree. And you think it's this whole conversation around being vulnerable and showing up, you know, in a way that makes you more approachable. And it, and I think we're now in this time where, you know, every time you have a web <laughs> conference call on whatever platform you use, you're inviting people into your home, right? And your kids might come in, your pets might come in, like, the, you know, the gardener, the sounds, the ambulances, wherever you may be you know, ultimately it's like you, you're the, the work life and home life has now completely blurred. Right. Yeah. And, and, and that's great for business, which is crazy because that is empathy. Empathy is the art of imaginatively stepping into the shoes of that other person to understand their feelings and perspectives and then do something about it. You know, 91% of CEOs, across America believe that financial performance is tied to empathy. Empathy has the power to heal. It has the power to connect. It is the power to inspire entire movements into action. And so when you get to see your employees or you get to meet your clients where they are, not where you are, empathy is about getting in their shoes. You've done something magnificent for the relationship. You know, just today we, you know, we talked about in, in a, in a briefing from last night's dinner, we, we talked about how last night some people talked about the five love languages at dinner and they were giving someone at the dinner was giving credit and thanks to their mother who only after her mother passing away and her reading the five love languages book, did she realize her mother was showing her love, the daughter love, her entire life. But because they spoke the different love languages, they never appreciated each other's affection. So in today's day and age, if you get to meet your team or your clients where they are, you're getting to learn their language. And sometimes their language includes a three-legged dog. Their language includes 10 kids. 
in a three-bedroom apartment. Their language includes them having to take Zoom calls in the frigid, freezing outdoors, like me, uh, because of a loud puppy inside. And so it's. I think it's a really great tool for connection, if used right. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's where everyone's sort of finding their way, you know, and since you've been doing these, you've got, I think, 22 under your belt, you said over the last 30 (laughs) days and lots of people, you know, for for the listeners who are looking to maybe, you know, not everyone's comfortable on film and, and, you know, while they're having conversations. Mm -hmm. And and as you mentioned, you know, we we tend to do this for a living. It's a little bit different, Mm -hmm. Um, but, but, you know, not everyone and especially introverts, like it's hard enough for them to get a a word in edgewise in a meeting in a conference room, let alone on a video call. Right. They, it's sort of, you know, sometimes not great. What, what pieces of advice would you give um, just two or three, you know, on, let's start with what would be your piece of advice uh, for having a compelling experience via video. Mm-hmm. I it's it. I'll, I'll say this till the cows come home The utilize those small breakout group, uh, opportunities. Zoom has a wonderful feature called breakout rooms. I know, you know, Google teams, uh, uh, and, uh, and Microsoft are coming out with theirs as well, but the breakout rooms are the key for introverts. Because as you mentioned, an introvert doesn't want to come into a a loud Zoom crowd where it's essentially a mutiny. A, a Zoom room done wrong is literally a mutiny. It's the scary. I don't even go to them. <laughs> if I know the host isn't structured, isn't overly communicative about the rules and the agenda, I will not go to that meeting. And an introvert in a small breakout room will flourish will flourish. And then when you bring them in, you know, back into the main room to debrief, they'll actually want to speak up. And that's how you drive innovation and creativity. Give people the confidence to know that their voice is going to be heard. Even if it's just in a small group, it's being heard. Um, and, and, you know, just to double down as my second and final tip is make up rules, create wacky temporary alternative worlds. I was just on a Zoom today with uh, my buddy Giovanni Marcico, who runs a group called the the Archangel Summit out of Toronto, brings thousands of people together to talk about, you know, what, what, you know, you're a dreamer and a doer, what would your superpower be? And so today's theme of the call was how to be limitless. He had 126 folks on a Zoom call where he broke us out into three different breakout rooms and all the themes of the breakout rooms were about superpowers. You know, if you could take the, you know, the magic superpower pill, what would you have? If you could remove limitations of your superpower, what would you do next, et cetera, et cetera. And it was magical, but it was, it was like stepping into a temporary alternative world and you got to be goofy about it and you got to have fun with it. Um, so go set rules because rules create ritual. Ritual creates legacy. And this is the time in human history where they will look back hundreds of years from now and say, how did those human beings deal with this ad- adapting you know, digital transformation? You do it by starting new rituals. And we all have that power to do that now from the ground up. And guess what? It's free. 
Yeah, it, it's amazing, really, at all the things we have at our fingertips. Um, you know, the one thing I would be remiss in in not saying, as we're talking about this, right, that for those of you listening, there are still some 18 or 20 million people across the U.S. who don't have access to high-speed internet, that aren't able to do these family calls and stay in touch or be educated remotely or still go to school and or order food or supplies for them to be delivered because they don't have you know, banking and credit cards. And so this is also showing how much work we still have to do as as society and our in our communities, et cetera. So, you know, if there are people who you know are feeling isolated and alone, um, while we can't physically be there, it could be something as simple as leaving, you know, some a dinner at their front door, you know, and and letting them know that you were just thinking about them, wanting to make sure they were okay. Of course, all in safe and and all the caveats that go with that statement I just made. But I mean, I think this is a time where you know showing gratitude and connection and. And you know, using the things that we we ha- we take for granted in some of our first world problems, uh, you know that that it's really uh, about food, family, uh, and feeling like you belong. Yeah, it's you know, in 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 crisis communication, they always say that. Uh, well, well, you know, sometimes it's it's good to not say anything at all in in crisis, but but we advocate that when in doubt, show gratitude. If you if you if you feel the insecurity that you might not know what to say to that distant cousin, to that team member who's going through something, show gratitude because gratitude creates loyalty, loyalty. How you invest in your people now will create long lasting returns for a long time. It's not who you connect with when you're riding high and. And, and everybody's doing well. It's who you connect with when you're down in the trenches. And you can connect through gratitude. Um, you know, use that gratitude question as a toolkit. You know, or, to repeat the question, if you could give credit or thanks to one person in your life that you don't, who would that be? And after you've maybe written down 15 or 20 of those people in your life, write down the values that they all stand for. And if you call up that person and you say, Bob, you were my third grade janitor. You stood for frugality and spirituality and kindness and love. And I got to say, that applies in my life now because X, Y, Z, he will be floored to hear from you. And you've just made someone's day, probably month. It's a gratitude. So I'm going to, Chris, I'm going to end on that. I mean, that's just sort of, that's where this needs to end. So my sort of the action item for everybody listening here today uh, with Chris and I talking, and we could go on for hours, I'm sure, uh, is I want you to, when you finish this podcast, take out a piece of paper, think about if you could send uh, or give credit or thanks to one person, pick one, one person in your life that you don't give enough uh, credit to, who would that be? write their name down, write why and the gratitude, and then, you know, write them a letter. Uh, writing letters goes a long way, you know, making a phone call or a text message or something, um, but it's something they can keep and always remember. So that would, that maybe that's my action item for, for the day after we get off our podcast today. I like it. I like it. All right. Well, thank you so much, Chris, for joining us today on the What's Next podcast. I, I just... You know, I'm so thrilled that we found a way to make this happen. And uh, I can't wait to attend one of your 
uh, pasta parties and I'll <laughs> whip out my paper plate and uh, and be ready. Um, and for those of you who uh, want to follow up, you know, more with you and get involved in your organization, how best to do that? You know, it, at, as as we mentioned earlier, and, and to all the listeners, um, we we are an open book. We are an open dinner table. Um, if you are uh, sitting there and either yourself or you know of a friend who needs connection now more than ever, we invite you to our dinner table. Just email chris at 747club.org or find me on LinkedIn and someone from our team will reach out and uh, we've got a spot at our dinner table for you. As a former lonely guy myself, I know how it feels and we'll be there for you. I can promise you that. Well, thank you, Chris. Uh, and I hope all of you What's Next listeners will take advantage of it. I think it will be a special experience for you. Uh, let Chris know you came from the show so that we can make sure that he gives you a good shout out. But again, Chris, thank you so much. Thank you for listening. I'll, I'll, have, uh, I'll have you over to my house for dinner sometime. <laughs> I'm excited. All right, Chris, thank you. Thank you. What an amazing conversation with Chris. I'm going to take his piece of advice and the question that he asked of, you know, when in doubt, show gratitude. And to really say that I thank you all for spending time with me on the What's Next podcast every other week. I've been doing this now for almost two years. We've got 70 or so shows in the can. The feedback has been fantastic. The fact that you guys love and enjoy Bullish and Bearish uh, just warms my heart. But, you know, at the end of the day, um, I do this for you. Selfishly, I love these conversations, but I want to share with you these people I get to meet along the way. So I am thankful for you. I am thankful for, for all the support you've given me over the years. And I hope you enjoyed this podcast as much as I did. Please email Chris, join one of his dinners. Let me know what you think. And once again, I appreciate you.